decision. Yeah. I want to win championships. I want to win bowl games. And we have some better things to do than your city. The power of home represents something. The DMV, like you try to explain it to people that aren't from there, and it's hard to explain it. That thing we talked about, Maryland Pride, is real. And the way we're gonna play with Maryland Pride. He's gonna go! Touchdown, Maryland! The Terrapins have one last shot at winning this game. Three seconds, two seconds, one second, throws it up, and he got it! And the Terrapins win at the buzzer! Oh, Stevie Francis, showtime. Oh, Neil, what a play by Pius. Holy cow. Maryland hits the road to beat Penn State. Maryland pulls off the upset. They have defeated number one, and the celebration is on. And the kids have done it. Maryland wins their first ever national championship. Holding up Indiana, 64 to 52, and let's listen and look at the celebration. Be not afraid of greatness. Some are born great. Some achieve greatness. And others host college sports and recruiting podcasts. You're listening to IMS Radio at InsideMarylandSports.com. Your hosts, Jeff Ehrman, Paul Douglas, and Larry France. Hello, fellas. It's Gentlemen. Been a long, long time. Very long time. Okay. You can blame it's that a on me. shaking event for us to get back together. Yeah. Shaking. Why, and why would we come back on a Friday night after this long hiatus? First, let me just apologize for the reason there's been this say long uh, lapse in shows is because i had a surgery on my nose six week recovery i had some bruising i did not want to be doing a show uh and i got i was having problems breathing while i was sleeping something developed my nose was broken three times in high school nobody cares but whatever it hasn't worked is the problem it's not great so i'm not happy about it i'm gonna have to go get a uh second opinion and see if I need to do it again. The problem oh, is, yeah, I know it sucks, but the, the problem is if I do it again, the one who just did the surgery, she was telling me that there's no more cartilage left to work with. So I'll have to get it from like my rib or something like that. If I want to try and do it again to fix it. Not happy about that anyway. So the reason for the absence was my fault. I am recovered and we were planning on coming back Monday with a should I tease what's going to happen Monday? <laughs> um, we have a big guest. I'll just leave it a at light that. tease. A, a light tease. We have a big guest. Big guest Monday. And we came back instead tonight because something crazy happened. What happened? What happened, Jeff? Uh, Mark Turgeon's done in Maryland, Lawrence. He abruptly called it quits Friday morning. Um, or Friday early afternoon, I guess, which I don't know. It's been such a blur. I don't remember what time it was at this point, but uh, he resigned from the job, didn't really explain why. And, you know, apparently it went back to a discussion he had with Damon Evans after the Virginia Tech loss on Wednesday. Obviously, you don't decide something that fast, something that big that fast. I'm sure it had been in the back of his head. Uh, you could see the pressure just building. You could see him kind of wilting and 
you know, just grasping for straws after some of these losses, you know, this, he bet on himself last off season. And I said last off season, like, I'm surprised he's not just taking a decent job somewhere because if he doesn't win next year, he's getting fired and he's already lost all the fans. So that's a lot of pressure, uh, especially at that point, because he didn't, hadn't gotten Wahab or Fats Russell yet. Uh, and the roster was, you know, I guess there was a possibility of Aaron Wiggins returning at that point. Um, so he bet on himself. And then I think he realized quickly, like this team might not be salvageable. This is going to be a death march. You know, fans are yelling at him and his wife, booing him, you know, chanting for him to get fired. It's way more outward negativity from the fans than ever before. And I think he just decided he couldn't, he just couldn't go on with this for the rest of this season. The way it, I've been reading the message board and primarily what you wrote, and I've seen a lot of opinions of, of the message board posters on the 24-7 sports.com Maryland message board. And the way it kind of feels to me is that, I, I know you're saying that it's mostly him, but I feel like if they're paying a full buyout, that Damon Evans probably had a little push into this. Oh, well. yeah. I think there was probably a push. And the way yeah. it's worded makes it sound like there is a push. And Damon, yeah. you know, Damon hasn't wanted him for a while now. He's wanted to get rid of him for a while now, for being honest. So he just didn't have the money and the political capital to fire him after last season. Yeah. You can, so when you're, if, if you're working for somebody who doesn't want you there, that's an awful situation. And not only working for somebody who doesn't want you there. But the fans don't want you there either. Yeah, nobody wanted them except that. Nobody wants you. That's what I said. That I, I, I know this sounds like, you know, um, after the fact. But I said that last summer. I said, nobody, they, he's not wanted there. Why are you staying? You know, in a sense, you're being selfish almost not to take the route that most coaches would take there. Um, selfish to your own detriment, it turns out. But, you know, almost selfish or an arrogance to think that you can just come back and just none of this stuff is going to matter. The fans and expectations and Damon Evans and knowing you have to have a good season, probably have to go to at least a sweet 16 to get by. And so he bet on himself. And I guess you could say it was the wrong bet, but he's getting five million bucks. So, well, that's one of the we, we well, isn't this. that isn't that kind of the kind of the the um, you know. You know, the mystery of Mark Turgeon, I mean, in so many ways, what makes him different is the fact that he's he's just kind of a guy like who goes to work and goes home and separates those two things. He, you know, he cares clearly about his family situation, his, his work life balance. And those are important to him in ways that for most college basketball coaches at this level, they don't. They don't do that. I mean, I mean, they, they're obsessed with winning. They, they, twenty four seven. They are thinking about what they need to do to win more basketball games. And Mark Turgeon is not that guy. And it feels like the way Jeff puts it, like the way that he bet on himself last year to say, you know what, screw everybody. I'm going to come back. I'm going to kick everybody's ass, and then, you know, I'm going to be right. That feels like the decision that one of those kind of mentally ill head basketball coaches an elite program would make and say, no, you know what, no, you know damn what, it, that's Paul? me. It goes back to what you said at the beginning about him being a normal family guy as opposed to all these other guys. All these other guys, these crazy, hardwired, you know, classic, you know, alpha, whatever you want to call them, personality coaches, 
they would have rolled out in a second, told the family we're going to uh, DePaul or, you know, we're going to what else was open last year, some other whatever, Oklahoma, whatever job. But he's different from those guys. He's, he's a family guy. He really liked the D.C. area. His wife and his family really liked the area. His son is in college, a Catholic. So he said, I, I like this area. I don't want to move. So he was, you know, which is his prerogative, obviously, whereas most of those guys who are all about the job would have left and said, you know what, this life of a coach's family, we're going. So that goes back to also what you said about him being a different guy. He didn't, he didn't want to leave the area. Yeah, I mean, I could see that. I could see that too. Or I could see one of those guys being, look, you know, making the decision. Turd said, and like, look, screw everybody. I don't care about them. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to prove myself right because I know I can do it. And then it took eight games for Turds to realize he's not that guy. You know, he he can't work in that scenario. He can't tune out the criticism from the fans and from Damon and from wherever else is coming from. And the team is the team's no good. That's a big yeah. part too. If the team right. Good, I mean, obviously. I think I think if you're looking for reasons uh, that this happened, I mean, you also have to look at the transfer portal. I, I feel like clearly Turgeon has soured on high school recruiting over the past three to four years. You could probably even draw a line back to the Mitchell Twins situation. Um, he's just not been putting in the work there. And I feel like he probably thought, okay, well, you know what? One thing I know I can do is I can get transfers in here and I can just build my program with a high school kid here and there and a whole bunch of transfers in and out and I can make it work. And it was clear this year, it was just not going to work. And he got, he got the transfers. That part worked. Yeah. They don't fit together and they don't fit with the guys who are there at all. Square, square pigs, round holes, man. Yeah. I've been seeing it from day one. I, I thought everybody was overrating this team from the summer. We talked about that. I mean, maybe if Wiggins comes back, that changes the dynamic somewhat, but just, it, it just never felt, like this is really going to be a top level team. And I think we all should have probably looked at the Daryl Morsell situation as a canary in a coal mine, looking back anyway. This year's freshman class is pretty good, though. Is it? Well, because I see all those guys sitting on the bench. Good. I see, yeah, I see all those guys good. sitting on the bench doing nothing, and Julian Reese, who looks pretty good. I mean, that's one. I mean, you get, yeah. if you've got, you know, three, you know, top 100, top 75 guys, and two of them are unplayable. Something is wrong. And, and I think a lot of people are talking about the James Graham situation, and I know that there, there's been a lot of consternation about this. I'm just not sure he's any good, and that's a failure too, right? I mean, whether he's been able – you know, Turge has been able to manage that relationship properly and help progress him in the what now year he's been on campus. If he's not any good, that's also a problem. You know, it's not that he's just, not any good. It's that they, they think his attitude's not any good. Maybe it may be so, but I, I can't believe that he's like a, a legit Big Ten 20 minute guy that they're sitting on the bench, you know, just because. I mean, they're not stupid. No, I mean, he he could have become that maybe if he was playing right away. He wouldn't have been. Yeah, but clearly they just they just thought he was a bad apple is what that was. And they they didn't want I Cornish hanging out with them. I'm told like they they I think they couldn't wait. To move along at the end of the semester so we'll never know the truth is in the middle always we'll never know whether he was I, I cornish did he enter the portal as well no but no he, but he's also not good enough to play as a freshman which pretty much i mean you, you, at this level you just can't you can't have that well they have a rotation of like mostly upperclassmen so 
Yeah, the plan it's, is it's to redshirt him or was anyways. And but, and uh, how often does how often does that work out in college basketball these days? If we're being honest, at Purdue or Virginia, it works. Yeah, and <laughs> the development hasn't been quite as sterling. Fair to right. say, there have been players who have developed. I saw a lot of people talking about how nobody develops, but there have definitely been players who have developed. A lot of the big men, Kevin Herter comes to mind as a player who developed under him. Um, it's not an offer. I mean, it's definitely yeah. not an offer. I, I think, I think a lot. I, I think the what I would argue is that a lot of times. Um, there are players that reach a certain level. Um, you know, Dante Scott are, is kind of like an example this year. Like he's, he's not any better. He's certainly, he's not as good as he was last year. I think a lot of the times you, you get that freshman to sophomore jump, but you don't always get to see that sophomore to junior senior jump. Um, you know, Anthony Cowan got a little bit better, but he kind of was who he was right. As a player, Anthony, you know, Wiggins got a little bit better, but he still kind of was what he was. I don't know, you know, this year you're expecting Mello didn't get better. Mello didn't get better. He got worse. I mean, that's just that's just not arguable. Um, the big men definitely, I think you have a better argument for it. Bruno got a lot better, uh, Sticks got a lot better. Um, how oh, much that's so development, that, I don't know. Mello, how, yeah. And Mello, I think if, if you ask the right people, still hold the grudge that he was moved off the ball for Cowan that year. Yeah. You know, he's probably not crying himself to sleep tonight. And then Ka- and Cowan and Herter never really worked together. There were some issues there. I mean, it's it, I don't know. It, it I I don't want to I don't want to sit here picking the guy apart again. Like I I like him a lot, and I I hope he has a success. I mean, the the fact that he's not like this crazed psychopath um, is good for Mark Turton's life and family. And I hope you know he goes and he has a great retirement, or goes and gets another job somewhere that's less of a pressure cooker but it was just pretty clear after a few years probably after that stone team this is not a great fit for mark turgeon and and maryland and you know it might have been better for all parties if there was a way to sever that relationship five years ago but mellow trimble among other things kind of kind of saved his job and kept him here longer and and Um, last year here we are the tournament saved his job too last year yeah Less you, guys talked about, you guys talked about, yep. got touched almost on it, the contract situation. Like you just said, if he goes somewhere else and gets a job, how much should the fans care about whether he gets that job or not? Because if he gets another job, then the $5 million buyout is uh, cut into by whatever he makes at the new job. Will that affect who they can hire? Probably not because they have to make the hire before he goes and gets another job, right? Yeah, and by and he's really better or not. He's not going to be in a state of mind to go get a new job anytime soon. By the time if if he does, he might just retire. There's a good chance he just said, "I'm just going to give this my last shot." If it doesn't work out, I'm retiring. I mean, that would make sense given what I said about if you want to prolong your career, then last summer was the time to get out of town. So that would make sense. But by the time he got a job, what you owe him would affect you know, effectively be peanuts compared to what you're spending on salary and buyouts and everything like that. So I mean, it's worth keeping tabs on, but it's not a major storyline. And the way that Evan structured the buyout this time is it's not like you just have to write him a $5 million check tomorrow. It's spread out basically as he's getting, you know, as he's still an employee at that salary and, you know, for the next, what, three years or something. So 
it's spread out in a way that it's not going to be much of a, of an issue. And, and frankly, I mean, in terms of, of money situations, I mean, somehow Damon Evans found $40 million for a basketball facility. Somehow, even despite COVID, he found $20 million for the football scoreboard and a new sound system. I'm just, I, I refuse to believe that finding $5 million from Mark Turgeon to go away is going to be a problem over you, the next three or four tell years. Tell those guys who gave you that $40 million, like, look, I'm going to hit you back in a few years. We're going to get yep. this done. But for now, this is the NATO's fund. Yep. Right? The NATO's the NATO. can come and go. Facility is not going to change around your program like a star coach will. So As we see with football, that. right? You know yeah, let's – very well. Yeah, let's just get in right in, right the, into it. It's the potential it's, candidates. I got a list for you. I got a list of names that have been brought up. Okay. No, hey, don't say Mike Lonergan. I got some guy arguing with me on Twitter no, about how Mike Lonergan. I do Lonergan. not have Lonergan. <laughs> I have Mike Lonergan is like sitting in his house in Bowie right now, like just hanging three, out, right? Like the three best ones I've gotten today were a staff of Dixon, Blake, and Vasquez. I That'd saw, be the staff under under head Mike coach Lonergan. Christy Tolliver. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> Mike Lonergan, right. who's been out of coaching for three years, never coached at this level, and got out of coaching because of a scandal. But Lonergan was in guy, Miami, right? That's no, at GW. Did he coach? No, he wasn't the head coach in Miami. So, yeah. and, and uh, no, you're thinking of Larry yeah, Jim Jim Larinaga. Oh, I'm thinking of Larry Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the other best one was LeVar Ball. Somebody <laughs> started a serious thread suggesting LeVar Ball. It was like what? he's developed his sons. He obviously has an eye for talent. Look, you can't look. Coaching has come out. Everybody's got coaching guy. Coaching searches drive people crazy, man. If he had five more sons that he could insert into the starting lineup, then okay. I'm just going to put up a story tomorrow with like, like sources say, and then just (laughs) like like Pete Gillen. Yep. Pete Gillen and like um, who else? Skip Prosser. R.I.P. Skip Prosser. He yeah, definitely. Maybe Herb Sendek. say Herb Sendek is the leader for the job. <laughs> yeah. That's not right. If you want None to of it's right. to commit suicide, that's what you'll do. <laughs> yeah. All right. Here's my list. A lot of this is just on the site. I'm going to give you this list of people, and then we'll maybe pick some to talk about individually. Nate Oates, head coach of Alabama. Ryan Odom, Utah State. Rick Bettino, Iona, Kim English, George Mason, Eric Musselman, Arkansas, Chris Holtman, Ohio State, Sean Miller, currently not coaching, mostly known for Arizona. California Penal League. Andy Enfield, USC, Juan Dixon, as you said, from Coppin State, Thad Mata, currently not coaching, but known for his success at Ohio State. Ed Cooley Providence, John Beeline, known for his success at Michigan. He's with the Pistons now, I think. And David Vanterpool, who is also an NBA assistant right now. First of all, that's 12 guys, Jeff. Of that 12, what percent chance is the next coach going to come from that group? That's impossible to say. No, it's uh, not. I, you're, we're giving your opinion. Those 12, <laughs> what percent chance is the, is the next coach coming from that group? 60%, I would say. I mean, those are guys, you know such a variety of profiles, including several who would be very hard to get, most namely Oates, Musselman, and Enfield. 
And then you got a few guys who are like older wild cards who've been out of coaching, Mata and Beeline. So who knows if they want to come back in. And then you're going to have some guys pop up from off the radar. Those guys always pop up off the radar who you don't expect. You know, the Mark Schmidt guy at St. Bonaventure is very highly regarded. Uh, there's a lot of other guys like that. So I don't know, 60%. It's so hard. It's so early and so hard to say. Also, Paul, you mentioned on the board the BYU guy. Um, Mark Pope. Mark Pope. Yeah, he's he's a, he's a guy. I, somebody just threw him at me um, recently, and uh, he's he's got a really really good resume, and seems like a really good coach. Um, you know, you never know with the BYU. You know, I, I believe he is Mormon, so I don't know whether that's a destination job for him or whatever. But I mean, that's the type of thing you. There are realistically, if you're miss, look, Nate Oates is the number one guy. I I I, I you got to imagine. You know, A, you've got a lot of national media guys who kind of naturally threw that out there, which is a little more smoke than I expected. Um, if he's a guy that people expect is, is planning on staying in Alabama long term. So that makes me think he's at least listening um, to to other offers and whatnot. So if that's the case, you got to throw the, the fucking Brinks truck at him. And if or he when he says no and you start getting down to that second tier level, like, like you don't have, it doesn't feel like you have a lot of tier one can't miss candidates in the way, you know, that you kind of could have, you know, talked yourself into back when Gary retired, you know, where maybe a Jay Wright was gettable, maybe, a, you know, what's his face, um, the Celtics coach, uh, you know, there, there were a bunch of guys where you could have talked yourself into, eh, Maryland's got that kind of pull. Maybe they can get him to come in and replace the Hall of Famer. I don't think you've got a, guy, a lot of guys like that. I think Nate Oates is kind of the only can't miss. Um, so you throw it, you know, you shoot your shot with him. And if it doesn't work, you could end up talking yourself into a lot of these guys at mid-major schools that have high, you know, analytics guys run high tempo offense that may just be the guy. And, you know, you're just not going to know. I mean, it's a crapshoot at that point. Um, the one advantage Maryland has here at Turds leaving in early December is you get to watch how the rest of the season unfolds. If you look at a guy like maybe Mike Boynton at um, Oklahoma State, he's had one really good year there, right? He had a decent year after Holtman left, and uh, and he's had one good year on his own. Now you get to see, well, maybe they're really good this year. And if he makes a run this year, maybe you, you say, okay, well, maybe he can do it himself with his recruits, um, and be that guy, you know, you, Maryland has that advantage where you're not just, you know, Turge isn't rolling out on April 1st, you know, you've got three months where you can literally watch and spend the entire season scouting these guys and seeing whether you think you like them or not. And then there's always that balance between the sexiness of recruiting and coaching. And on the message boards, we always naturally lean toward recruiting because that's what we like to follow. And we'll laugh at guys who might be a little more generic, for lack of a better word, personality and recruiting wise. But then you kind of like look back to the football situation a few years ago. We made so many jokes about Frank Reich, right? He'd be a terrible head. Who knows? It might not have translated to college what he's done in the NFL or he's been a really solid head coach. But we dogged that one. So on the flip side, though, if you're Maryland, you really kind of do need that energetic recruiter after Turgeon, you cannot go back to a guy who's just kind of, you know, I don't want to say bland, but you can't go back to another guy like that who doesn't have a little more charisma 
doesn't have local recruiting chops. I mean, how long has it been now? Eternity, it's been forever that Maryland can't lock down the, the local top players, right? So you, can, you, you have to get somebody, anybody's going to energize the fan base at this point because they've been waiting so long to exhale. But you got to get somebody who's going to bring some juice, you know, personality-wise, recruiting-wise, and style of play-wise. Even if it was the best coach in the world, if he runs a slow system and isn't known as a, you know, Tony Bennett, and maybe he's the exception because he can win a national title. You want an Addy, so that's different. But anybody, anybody a level below him of that kind of same mold, you can't afford to go after, even even if they seem like a winner to me. You, you need energy, right? And I th- I think I think there are, there's a decent group of that kind of mid range guys. I don't, I don't want to crap on like a Kevin Willard or an Ed Cooley or somebody, but like guys who've like won some, but are also kind of not particularly young, not particularly known as great recruiters, but definitely have some NCAA tournaments on their on their resumes. I'm not sure that's the way you want to go. I think it's almost a better risk to go for the young, energetic hire and hope he's just oh, at yeah. the energy. You know, the energy. Like you're never going to know if a guy at Northwestern, you know, Butthole State is a good recruiter or not. But if they're young and energetic, and the analytics show they can coach basketball, that might be worth you know, the risk that the young and the energy and the drive will turn them into a good recruiter because just, you know, just being, just showing up is half the battle, right? And and with Gary and leading into Turgeon, especially Turgeon's later years, they just weren't on out on the road scouting and recruiting guys. That's not what they focused on. And that's a, that's a needed change. He got very complacent in his recruiting the past few years. So that's why, you know, he kind of did it to himself. Uh, you know, obviously we've seen enough of him to know that if he got better players, maybe they still don't break through, but the effort was not, you know, there was such a reliance on the portal, which is fine, but you know, you're taking a risk there. You bring in these, these guys who all have their own agendas and no built in loyalty to the coach or to their teammates or to the school and throw them in together it's not always going to work out, which we're seeing right now. You know, these yep. guys aren't playing well together. So I think he leaned on that too heavily, didn't want to put in the time into high school recruiting, and that was a big part of it too. All right, Jeff, I'm going to throw out some names. You give me a percent chance. <laughs> Nate Oates. So these all have to add up to 60 since I said 60%, right? Nate, I don't, don't know. worry about to, that. Just, that's that's not that's not how statistics work. But just, don't worry about it. Yeah. No, they would they would have to add up to sixty if he lists my whole list. Um, yeah. Nate Oates. Um, I don't know, five to ten. I mean, it seems like a long shot to me. He's the he's like Chris Beard was a couple of years ago, just the it guy. He is the it guy nationally. So you're gonna have to you're gonna have to spend. I would say at least. Five, six million a year, and still Alabama has huge money, so they could match that. So it depends if he wanted. It really just depends on if he, you know, if other better jobs come open, who are you competing with, and whether he feels like, you know, he doesn't like coaching at a football school and wants to go to a basketball school, but he's going to be a tough pull. All right, I heard 5%. Rick Bettino. <laughs> um, 2%. I mean, I'm sure he'd take the job, but I think Maryland is so worried about PR and things like that at all times that I don't think they would 
take someone who, with his baggage, but it, and it wouldn't last long because he's 69, but it would be fun to watch. Yeah, Kim English. I don't love that one. People are talking, he, he beat Maryland, but everyone's beating Maryland this year, like big deal. Yeah. The team's not that was. That that was the type of guy you throw out when you don't think Turgeon's actually going to leave, and you're just kind of, you know, excited. I mean, I I like English, but he's he still needs yeah. more time in the oven. I don't. Yeah, I mean, another you know maybe ten percent if he if he starts winning more. I mean, after that Maryland win, they've lost four in a row since. Then. I can't. Yeah, I can't but, see him. I hope it's zero for him. Though. So on top yeah, of like on top of the fact that he's only thirty two and it was his first year in a head coaching job. Right. He at least needs to have a good record this year, which they're not trending in the right direction. So, yeah. you know, I think if it was if this was three years from now, he might be the perfect guy. Eric Musselman, Arkansas. Um, I don't know how comfortable how much he loves it at Arkansas. I know he's you know he's pretty well paid. Uh, he's got a good thing going there. You know, I think he's probably he's more the more realistic of those bigger names. I would say. Well, Indy Enfield might be, but. You know, he's another – it's hard to put a percentage on it. I mean, it's, it's just so early. There's been no time to find out, like, to look into these guys and whether they might want to move around or how happy they are. I know he just signed a new deal after the NCAA tournament last year. Still so only about a $2 another, million buyout there after the season. Another 2 to 5 percenter there? Yeah, Andy, probably. Andy, and you mentioned Andy Enfield, and you said more likely. So is he maybe in the? Yeah, he might be like a ten percent guy, just because. Okay. You know, he's. Uh, I don't know how much it matters, but he got his MBA at Maryland, played at Johns Hopkins, so he's familiar with the area. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember where he's from. If he's an East Coast guy, I feel like he is. But. Right. You know, it's just so it's just so hard to say this early. Thad Mata. And I feel like he's, I kind of like him as a candidate. And I remember last year when there was a lot of swirling rumors about Terzian maybe leaving for Wichita State, he might get replaced by Thad Mata. So I kind of like, I feel like that's a pretty strong possibility. He could be in the 10 to 15% range. Andy Enfield, I just looked it up, looked it up, is from Shippensburg, PA. So not too far Mm -hmm. from Maryland. Okay. He's one of the few with uh, local, you know, local ties personally. Okay, Dad Mata. Um, so he definitely put some feelers out a while back in case the job became open. So I know he wanted it then. I would think he would want it now. He's an associate AD at Indiana, but I'm sure he'd leave that job. The question with him, his results, people don't realize how unbelievable his results were at Ohio State. Yes. You know, the guy – you know, a, a title game, another Final Four, an Elite Eight, and two Sweet Sixteens. That's unbelievable. In like ten years, too, right? Yeah, it's just, yeah. it's just his, it's just his health, man. And, you and know, anybody's been the, away from the game. Oh, his health, and has he lost four his years in general? Yeah. And can he recruit? So you don't know. It's a, it's a tough one. You got to be really convinced that he can just hit the rewind button and be as good as he was. You know, he's only fifty-four. He's younger than every than you would think. So it's not one of those deals like Beeline or. Patino, where he's old and, you know, will be gone in a few years. How about Beeline then? Beeline, I would think he would probably like getting back into coaching. It didn't work out for him in the NBA. It was really clear he's a college guy. He's just holding some front office job with the Pistons, which has got to be torture. Uh, So, you know, you'd have to pay him pretty well, but maybe not as well as you would think, you know, like commensurate with his name just because he's been out of coaching. You're not – 
probably not um, competing against anybody for his services. To me, he was the best coach in the country at Michigan. I think he was, he's a, really good. He was incredible as a coach, recruiter, and developer. He would get these kids every year who were like ranked in the 120s, whatever, and they would be lottery picks two years later, time after time. It was unbelievable. And then obviously going to national title games. I mean, so he's older, you know, he's like 70. That's the thing. It's like, it would be like a uh, 68, maybe like a five-year rental basically. So are you willing to do that knowing that you're going to have to hire another coach in like five years? So uh, maybe another five to 10 percenter? Just depends on whether he wants to get back in. It's hard to say without knowing if he's just done coaching for life. All right. Last one, and this one seems intriguing, David Vanterpool. He's NBA assistant coach, and I don't know what the connection would be to Maryland. Is there one? Why? He's- well, the obvious connection is he's a Blair Blazer, Blair High School, so that <laughs> means he's incredibly cool and, and stylish and okay. smart. So he went uh, to, he's from Maryland then? Yeah, he went to okay, the same school as me and was two years – I guess he graduated the year before I got there and was like a legend – then went on to St. Bonaventure, had a great career, played overseas, and has been one of the rising NBA assistants for several years, has nearly gotten several head coaching jobs. Uh, young, really charismatic, local guy, NBA. I think he would kill in recruiting, but he's literally never worked in college basketball. That's tough. You know, you, you're really putting it out there on the chopping block to hire a guy who's never coached in college. So he could be Juwan Howard or he could be Patrick Ewing. Exactly, or and hopefully not Chris Mullen, <laughs> or, or Chris Mullen. Yeah. I mean, Chris Mullen Woo. has like a one in four hundred record. Bad, in St. John. Yeah. yeah, that was bad. Yeah, extra uh, the ex players who come in. We've talked about that before. How the great players, and he wasn't that great a player. Obviously, good enough to play professionally, but not in the NBA. Usually, the good coaches are never the elite players. So, yeah, yep. they're the role players. So I think we, we've done that. I wanted to talk about football a little bit, and I got a kind of funny story. I am here on the campus of Indiana University, believe it or not. Yeah, it's been a long day for me. We had some troubles with our flights. I had about a nine-hour trip that should have been about two and a half hours. Yeah. yeah, it was painful. But on the flight, one thing that was kind of fun it was about 50 people on the plane, and I'd say 25 to 30 of them were Michigan fans wearing Michigan gear because I'm in India. We flew into Indianapolis, so you know why they're all flying here for tomorrow. And there were probably six to eight Iowa people. And about, set, about almost towards the end of the flight, the Michigan people broke into hail to the victors. So it was kind of fun. And then the I. There were, and all of them were singing, and then like four Iowa people, <laughs> like <laughs> Iowa, like whatever Hawks. their donkey like, song is. I know like. they said "Go Hawks" in the middle of it. Yeah, <laughs> um, sounds kind of fun, but it made me think of football, and I and I do want to talk about that because that game will affect where Maryland football could end up in their bowl game. Correct? Um. Yeah. I mean, I, I haven't looked at all the recent. It seems like it's pretty much. All you've looked at it sounded pretty much Phoenix and uh, Pinstripe, right? It seems. Yeah, like yeah. So, so the way that I've read it is that the, in terms of the number of teams that the Big Ten has that are bowl eligible and the number of um, 
bowls that are available with their tie-ins. The way this is going to work is if the Big Ten gets uh, three teams in the playoff and the New Year's Six bowls, which is almost certain given whichever way this works out because Michigan State will be that third team that will get into the NY Six bowls. That means that the Quick Lane Bowl in Detroit, which is the lowest on the uh, scale in terms of the Big Ten tie-ins, is basically out. So that leaves those last couple are the Phoenix, whatever the, the bowl game in Phoenix is called, and then the Pinstripe Bowl in New York City. Um, I think there's still a minor chance that uh, for whatever reason, the uh, the bowl in Vegas or the bowl in Nashville decide that they look at Talia Tagovaiola. Like, uh, I still can't even say his fucking name right. Um, Talia and think that's a great draw. Let's jump and grab Maryland over a Purdue or somebody else that's sitting there um, in that in that kind of range. I doubt that's going to happen. I think it's most likely we go to Phoenix or New York. I would think we'd probably go to New York, and I hope we do. I think Maryland have a pretty good traveling crowd up there. Um, Phoenix, I mean, you're talking you're talking thousand twelve hundred dollar round trip flights. Uh, it's not it's there'll not be, not optimal. Be Ten Maryland fans there. Yeah, I might be one of them because I'm going to one of these damn things since we may never go again for the rest of my lifetime. So um, I understand that. But, I, you know, beggars can't be choosers at this point. And uh, I think Maryland should be pretty happy wherever they end up. These bowl organizers know, like, they, they know Maryland's attendance is terrible lately, too. So that doesn't yep. help. Yeah, I guess the only thing you can sell is that, you know, Leah is obviously a sell in terms of TV and notoriety. And then the fact that Maryland hasn't traveled anywhere for a bowl game in forever um, means maybe if you're in Nashville or somewhere, you could you could maybe think, okay, we can get a decent crowd out of them uh, for this one shot. I don't know. I that's that's the best would, I can come up with. New York would draw the biggest contingent of Terps, I would think. Yeah, I'm just saying. And I think, Speaking I of think New York, did we not make a hell of a call canceling that road show? <laughs> 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 I mean, that was, uh, yeah. that was that prescient. Was, it was prescient. We'd be going up there. What in uh, a few days? Yeah. Next yeah. Week. There's, there's not going to be a lot of uh, enthusiasm. I imagine. Yeah. Or maybe they will be now that, now that church is gone. I don't know. I think there'll be, I think on Sunday, there's going to be a lot of people at the game. Yeah. You think, think there might so be a bit of a whiplash? Said, there's so many people who I've seen say, I'm not going back until he's gone. So you'll have those people who want to come back. You'll have the people who are just apathetic in general, might not have totally sworn him off or apathetic. And then there'll be people who want to see what Danny Manning coaches like or how the team responds because it's such a weird situation. Out of curiosity, I bet you it's packed on Sunday. I just hope he pushes the pace. Just like press the whole game. Get James Graham in there as well. Get yourself a nine-man rotation, 10 with Zuba, Pablo Zuba, however you say it. And then get ten of them and press the whole game and let them run. That's you want to you want that with him if he just went like old school Arkansas forty minutes of yes. like yes do it games yeah, in do a it. row how bad that do would it. be yeah you're you're playing you're playing do out it. my nightmare scenario right now I'm just saying if he did that given given that him and Turgeon are such tight buddies that would be a little awkward you know <laughs> if, if it works up immediately works. and thrive it would almost be like shitting on his best friend who just got fired. And yeah, in that same way, awesome. in that, in that same way, I'm kind of surprised that he took the job. 
you know, with Turgeon leaving. But I guess, you know, if you really want to look deeply into it, maybe the fact that Manning took the job lends credibility to it was really more Turgeon's decision. Because if he had just straight up gotten fired, maybe his buddy does says, no, I'm not stepping in. So he's stepping into him as stepping in as a favor for Turgeon, who just, yeah. I think, it, like, not to go back and have the same conversations. Evans, I'm sure Damon Evans didn't, he, he didn't fight to keep him by any stretch. He's happy right now. But, what, what about the players? How? Well, now that we're back into basketball a little bit, and I want to do one more thing in football before we finish, but since you got onto that, what you just said made me think of something. How are the players, you think, feeling about this? And James Graham specifically and the others, are they excited? Like, is this an opportunity for a fresh start? Hey, maybe something can still happen with this season. Maybe we can salvage it. Are they unhappy? Like, is there going to maybe be some attrition? I haven't had enough time to get a pulse on that yet. I'm sure I will soon. But my guess is the guy like Ayala, who was recruited by him and has invested himself and been through the battles with him, he's probably a little more upset about it than a lot. I mean, there's so many new guys on the team. Those new guys, you know, they were recruited mostly by assistants. They've, they've only been with Turgeon for a little while now. So I, I doubt that they're broken up. And when you talk to these guys, it usually comes down to, the program more than Turgeon, you know, that's usually the emphasis is Maryland, this and that. And so, you know, I don't want to speak for them. It's I, I will find out, put it that way. I'll find out what the reaction is, but I, I doubt it. They're like thinking about canceling the season. All right. Prediction right now, James Graham leaving or staying if gun to your head. Leaving. I'd be surprised if he comes back. It seems like, likely just one of those situations where you've already walked over the bridge. There's too much, too much behind you to turn back, but you know, uh, I'll keep tabs on it just in case. All right. Football. Now speaking of players leaving an awful, awful week for the football program, five-star recruit, one of the biggest recruits in Maryland history, Terrence Lewis, who was injured the entire year, did not play, has decided to enter the transfer portal. He's leaving his buddy, who did play this year and looked really good for a freshman. Four-star Brandon Jennings is leaving. That is a gut punch. To top it all off, A.J. Swan, the highest-ranked quarterback coming in next year. They still have Sore, who's still a decently-ranked quarterback. But A.J. Swan has has flipped to – is it official that he flipped to Vanderbilt? or is It's it not official, but it's going to happen. Yeah. Do you lose those two guys? And some others have entered the transfer portal as well. McDougal, I think, and some others. Is that, first of all, losing those three is really painful. But let me just ask it this way. With the way the portal works now, is every year going to be like that, where right after the season ends, you're going to have five or ten guys, bye-bye, and then it's going to take a month or two to backfill with the guys you're replacing them with? That's it. That's yeah, the way so, it's always going to be, not just at Maryland, but pretty much everywhere. No matter where you are, you have, yeah. you know, no matter where you are, you got all these guys on the roster and not that many spots for playing time right. or coaches who, you know, think the guy's not good enough. I mean, Loxley came out and said it in an interview that I wrote up today. Uh, he didn't name names, obviously, but he said, don't think all these guys are leaving on their own. You know, there's guys who, whether for off-field reasons, which some of these were, or because they just 
weren't going to play like a few of these guys who just move on. So that's the new normal. That's the way it is, especially now when you get that one-time waiver, every player is eligible for one transfer without sitting out. So yeah, that's how it's always going to be. And it's just a matter of, you know, not taking other people's garbage. You know, you got to replace them with good players. players. Most of the guys in the, you know, a lot of the guys in the portal are like those guys I mentioned who are leaving for a reason. I think Loxley will get some players, but, you know, the Jennings one was – that's a painful one for Maryland. Cause Very he, painful. He looked like a future star. He looked like he'd be the guy in the middle for them for a few years. That, that one really hurt them. I yeah, I like think it, with the portal, Larry, you're going to see this kind of push and pull, right? If you're a program like Maryland, if you get guys like Jennings or somebody who shows up, plays really well, gets a chance to go play at a big-time program, they're going to go do that. In reverse, I think you're going to see a lot of players at said big-time programs who aren't getting playing time and think they should and maybe good enough to but just aren't because there's better guys in front of them. Those are the guys that might look in the portal and say, hey, well, maybe I go to a Maryland where I can go be a stud, right? Or if you get a you know a team in a, in a G5 or you know even lower football conference who's pretty good down there and says, Hey, well, I want to see if I can hack it at a higher level. You know, I'd love to play in the big 10. Maybe I can transfer up to a place like Maryland and get some playing time. So the portal does feel like on a week like this, it's going to be a negative for a program like Maryland. And it might be a negative overall compared to the old system when you have a recruiter like Loxley, but there will be some good news coming out of portal for Maryland. And I'm sure Loxley will be able to work some magic there. There was some news on inside MD sports on Friday about a, former top 100 recruit who will be visiting uh, also a transfer portal guy. There's going to be a lot of, they're going to hit the portal really hard because they don't have a choice. There's like six different positions where they need guys who can help immediately. So it's going to be really interesting, really interesting to see how he closes signing day coming up. You know, that doesn't affect the transfers obviously, but signing day is coming up on December 15th and they need, they need a lot of different pieces. And it's worth noting that Lox has been able to pull JUCO guys and other transfers who've been able to play really well and, uh, and, and make it work in the program. So there is a little bit of, uh, of a track record there, which is good. I feel like at the end of every recruiting season, you're going to just – on one side, you're going to see these are the guys who left. The other side, you're going to say these are the guys who came in. Is it going to be plus or minus? It feels like it's going to be hard to make this year turn into a plus with the quality of guys who are leaving. But I feel like that's just going to be the case every year. At the end of the year, Jennings is the only really one that really hurts. Lewis, they took a flyer on. You know, he had injuries, some baggage. It was clear, I think, to them months ago that it wasn't going to work out. So it's not like he just hopped up and was like, I'm out of here. And they were like, no, please stay. They definitely knew that one wasn't working out. Uh, The other guys, you know, hadn't really distinguished themselves. They really didn't lose a lot otherwise. Yeah. Running back, you know, you lose the two four stars from that 2020 class, Penny Boone and Isaiah Jacobs. They were four stars in name, but we saw enough of them to know that they might not have been four star players. They had, they both had some potential. They both had some good plays here and there, but neither one of them established yeah. himself as any sort of commodity. So, you know, they did, Jennings is really the one that, I mean, and there could be more, who knows, like last, they, they just pop up out of nowhere nowadays and you're just stunned half the time, but we'll see. All right. Don't have a game for you guys doing this by the seat of my pants. Like we said, 
the end of this long day of flight, we, we added this crazy news. Are you going to the Big Ten title game or what? I thought I talked the guy next to me was one of the Iowa guys on the plane. He said the game sold out and tickets are selling for over a thousand dollars pops to know. Also, <laughs> by the way, I, I know I'm gonna I as a as a parent well, I should explain I'm here because at Indiana because my son has a audition for the musical theater department tomorrow. And as part of that, as I was telling Paul before the show, it's kind of the akin in football to an official visit. Um once you pass the first round of pre-screens, which is like an unofficial, and they invite you in for a live audition if they like that first round. And so Andrew has done that, which is really great. But as part of that, they kind of wind and dine the parents a little bit, and they do presentations, so I have stuff to do tomorrow too. But I thought about, because we're going to have to stay through the whole night, we, I thought about going to the Indiana basketball game tomorrow night. That might be kind of fun. Who they play? Nebraska. So, so you get actually Assembly Hall, dude. You, you... Right. If you have a chance. It's pretty yeah. amazing. Yeah, was, and we're staying on a hotel. It's right on campus. I look out the window and it's really cool. Such a really nice campus. Yeah, that's worth that's worth walking over there at least and seeing if you can get a twenty dollar ticket outside yeah. the venue yeah, and exactly. just check it out. You know, I think I might. And right after this, since I haven't eaten yet, I'm going to walk down. There's a five minute walk to like the main like restaurant district here on campus. So I'm going to go do that. But before we finish the show. I wanted to end on one last question for you guys. Both of you guys, you need to make your prediction right now. Who is the next head coach at the University of Maryland? Paul, you go first, and then we'll get the real answer. All right, man. I'm going to shoot my shot. All right. Nate Oates. Ooh. Okay. I, I'm going – Go big or go home, man. I'm going to do mine. I'm going to let Jeff go last because that's the one everybody really wants to know. I'm going Thad Mata. That's my prediction. He wants the job. He wanted it last year. It's open now, and he has an amazing track record. That's what I'm going with. Boom. Jeff, your prediction right now. I mean, based on absolutely no intel and basically nothing, I'll say Musselman. He seems like out of that top tier, maybe the most gettable. Maybe that's infield, but uh, you know, I, I don't know. There's just, uh, just something about him that makes me feel like he might be attainable. Uh, and then also I think, I think Beeline could be a wild card if they want him just because of the fact he's out of coaching. If he wants to get back, it's now or never. So it's just a matter of whether they're – if I was them, I'd be – honestly, he might be my first guy. Although, again, I don't have to deal with the down-the-road thought about replacing him in five years. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's – it's two, thing, two things I would note, three things I would note. First of all, in terms of the guys who don't have a job right now with Mata and Beeline and a couple others, you could hire them tomorrow. I mean, there's nothing stopping you from hiring a guy like that whenever the hell you want to. So if it is going to be one of those guys, you might not see them wait till the end of the season to do it. Two, it was a very um, – interesting point somebody made the other day that if, if Damon Evans doesn't feel like he's going to be at Maryland for the rest of his career, which I imagine a fairly young, ambitious guy like him might be, he might go for a guy like Beeline or somebody that is, you know, probably the best bet in, you know, like a five-year period going forward. And you might not be the guy who has to worry about the, the yeah, hire no, after right. that. Yeah. The Damon third- Evans is going to be here in 20 years. Exactly. Most likely. Yeah. 
And then the third thing I would note was a quote from one Gary Williams today who did say that Maryland needs somebody who's going to have the youth and the energy to take it national. Um, you wonder whether that's indicative of anything or any, you know, thoughts that might just be, you know, crossing dinner tables and bars and things in that echelon of Maryland influencers or just something he said off the cuff. But Gary doesn't seem like a guy who says things off the cuff, uh, at, at least not in the, at this age, uh, age and experience. So that's something I, I that just caught my eye and um, and I would just we'll ask him about it on Monday. Oh, did I just did I just say that? Yeah, yeah. you just did it. You just did it. So too late. <laughs> last thing, of the four main people mentioned, Oates, Mata, Musselman, or Beeline, I would be ecstatic with any of the four of them. I'll just say that. Of course you would. Be great. That's All a great four of home run hires. Yeah, if that could happen. Now, hopefully that happens, and hopefully, God. If- know, knowing how things go in Maryland. Of course, how things go in Maryland, you could get like Brad Stevens and he would come to Maryland and like get struggle to get to the round of 32 just because that's, yeah. that's how it works. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, nothing's a guarantee. I, th- I think when you look at that list, it's probably the most, you know, your best shot at a, at a successful hire. But you never know, man. It, every every school's different. Every every coach and how they mesh with the donors and fans and administration it's all different you just it's never funny nationally i don't know if it's just me but it seems like the national guys they always want to name some really like mid-level guy un- uninspiring for maryland whenever the, the like today i saw like three different people like kevin willard to maryland like the athletic i can't remember who wrote the article but he listed a few candidates and then it said for my prediction and he said kevin willard like kevin willard is not a bad coach but I feel like Maryland could do a, can can do a little better. Or Anthony Grant, they always want to link Anthony Grant to Maryland. <laughs> That's been like twenty years of Anthony Grant, right? Yeah, it's like they want to limit Maryland's prestige by offering these like kind of milk toast, um, you know, guys who are below what Maryland could could get. But no more milk toast, see, please. I, I see Willard like a guy like Willard's a hell of a floor. Like if that's your floor guy. That's not bad. I mean, Seton Hall is a horrible, horrible job, and he's made them respectable and good at times. He hasn't had the tourney run, and I think that's the one thing that makes you makes you concerned. But he's a younger guy, seems energetic. I'm not as down on a guy like that. But, yeah, if that guy's your floor, that's that ain't bad. I mean, for me, Jeff, I looked at it the other way, seeing a lot of these national guys throwing out of Nate Oates, which – I think, you know, most of us would have been like, well, you know, $10, $12 million buyout and $5 million a year. I don't know. Alabama can basically promise it, you know, buy them a private island if they want to. But, you know, I, I think you see a little bit of it both ways. Part of it, I think, is is those guys are are tight with some of these dudes and may, might be doing them, doing Kevin Willard a solid, throwing his name out there like that. You know, you never know. Kind of like the guys, you know, the way that they all defend Turgeon because Turgeon's obviously – you know, a nice guy and, you know, they talk a lot and play golf and whatever, you know, nobody's going to, you know, Seth Greenberg's of the world are going to defend him to the death, even though they probably know he's not a super coach. Yeah. That's the code. Yep. All right. Good show fellas on the seat of, our, uh, seat of our pants. And then we'll be back Monday with a very, very big guest. Do you want to say what his name rhymes with Jeff or no? His wave rhymes. Rhymes. With Gary Williams. <laughs> <laughs>
Okay, I didn't do that right, did I? We will be back Monday with... It's late. What do you want? Williams. How many people are going to watch to the end of this anyway? So, <laughs> Thank you, guys. It's been a lot of fun. It was good to see your ugly faces on this joyous occasion. Yeah. It's been a long good time. Good to be back after my destroyed nose and surgery, which does not seem to have worked, which is very, very shitty. So... Sorry, man. I don't know what I'm going to do about that. I'm still having the same breathing issues at night. Anyway, all right. We'll sue him. Then Larry can Larry can start donating to the coach fund. I'm literally. Yeah. Sue I'm him thinking, and he take roots. Like, I don't know that I should pay for a surgery that – anyway. Whatever. NATO's fund. <laughs> Think about it. NATO's fund, yeah. Think about it. I'm suing for $50 million so they can go – all right. All right. So, <laughs> good show. We Hopefully we'll see everybody back Monday with – Mr. Gary Williams. Okay, live stream stopped. Yeah, I'm done. What? Uh, well, yeah, one second, Andrew. All right. <laughs> Get off the um, yeah. computer already. <laughs> Come on, Dad. Yeah. So, God. Oh, Jeff's already gone. Yeah, Jeff's got work to do, man. Yeah, cool. <laughs> All right. Um, I will... When do you want me to make this public? Right now? And then you want to post a link to it? I'm not sure I should be doing anything in terms of publicity necessarily until we see how this goes. Oh, um, Jeff should post it then. Yeah, I think Jeff should probably do the posting and tweeting and things and kind of see where it goes from there. Yeah. All right. I'll, I'll make it live right away and I'll see what I can do with the audio also while I'm cool. here. My studio stuff i don't know that i'm gonna be able to get a good audio anyway i, I wouldn't i wouldn't sweat it too much man this cool. is breaking news stuff you know yeah all right cool all right man appreciate it